Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your homes today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. Please stand for the call to worship. And hear these words of the psalmist. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above in the heavens. When we look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, who are we that you are mindful of us, that you care for us? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let us worship God. The proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And because we have faith in him, we can approach God with confidence. So let us admit our sins before God. Let us pray. Righteous God, 
we admit our preoccupation with small concerns and personal problems. The circle of our caring is too often bounded on all sides by ourselves. When our compassion reaches out to others, it is usually to those we know well. The embrace of our concern leaves out many we call enemies and others unlike ourselves. We find ourselves demanding much and giving little in return. Yet there are also times when we do not value ourselves as we should. Do not condemn us, O God. Forgive our distorted ways of thinking and living that we may be freed to live in true faith. Hear these words of Paul. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are no longer aliens, but we are fellow citizens of God's household. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. I want to invite Christina Fleck Owen to come up, please, and Bob, grandfather of little Kenneth Eric. Great. Oh, that's right. Great grandfather. He's aging himself. And uh, Eric. Father Eric, Eric II, is uh, serving our country on active duty, and he is out in Washington State, hopefully tuning in via our live stream on the computer, but certainly with us in spirit. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the close of the age. So obeying the word of our Lord Jesus Christ and confident of his promises, we baptize those whom God has called. In baptism, God claims us and seals us to show that we belong to God. 
God frees us from sin and death, uniting us with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. By water and the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, the body of Christ, and joined to Christ's ministry of love, peace, and justice. Let us remember with joy our own baptism as we celebrate this sacrament. On behalf of the session, I present Kenneth Eric Owens III, son of Eric and Christina, to receive the sacrament of baptism. Christina, for you and your husband, I ask, do you desire that Kenneth Eric be baptized? And relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the faith and to teach, teach that faith to Kenneth Eric? Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture Kenneth Eric Owens III by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging him to know and follow Christ and be a faithful member of Christ's Church? If so, say we do. We do. Let us affirm our faith. The words are on the insert. Little child, for you Jesus Christ came into the world. For you he did battle. For you he suffered. For you he went through the agony of Gethsemane and the darkness of Calvary. For you he cried, it is fulfilled. And for you he triumphed over death. And you, little child, know nothing about this. But this is the statement of the Apostle confirmed. We love God because God first loved us. Amen. Let us pray. We give thanks, eternal God, for you nourish and sustain all living things by the gift of water. In the beginning of time, your spirit moved over the watery chaos, calling forth order and life. In the time of Noah, you destroyed evil by the waters of the flood, giving righteousness a new beginning. You led Israel out of slavery through the waters of the sea into the freedom of the promised land. In the waters of Jordan, Jesus was baptized by John and anointed with your spirit. And by the baptism of his own death and resurrection, Christ set us free from sin and death and opened the way to eternal life. Send your spirit to move over this water that it may be a fountain of deliverance and rebirth. Wash away the sin of this child who was cleansed by it and raise him to new life and graft him to the body of Christ, and pour out your Holy Spirit upon Kenneth Eric Owens III, that he may have the power to do your will and continue forever in the risen life of Christ. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, we praise and honor and glory now and forevermore. Amen. Kenneth Eric, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Kenneth Eric, you have been sealed in the waters of baptism, and you are marked as Christ's own forever. Little Eric, you are God's child, and with you God is very pleased. Amen. And so once again, my brothers and sisters, we, we acknowledge a new member of the family that God, by His grace, and his sovereign care has made a member of his family long before we got our hands on him and even before Christina and Eric got their hands on this little guy. He has been God's from the beginning, but now we acknowledge that by God's grace in Jesus Christ, he is a member of the family of God, and we are part of his journey. We, as representatives of this church, but also as representatives of the church of Jesus Christ, we enter into covenant with little Eric. To say that we promise to be with him on the journey until that day that he stands before this church or another church and professes his faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior with his own lips. Until that time and even beyond, we pledge to be with him. See what love the Father has for us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are, all of us. Let us welcome the newly baptized. This past week was an amazing week at First Presbyterian. It was Vacation Bible School. We operated under the theme of Kingdom Rock and under the leadership of Elizabeth Pearson for the Vacation Bible School as a whole and the preschool section, Kelly McElroy, and a whole host of volunteers. It was a blessed experience for all. We want to share a little bit with you about uh, what the kids learned and I think they have a song for you. So all of the VBS kids, all the children, come forward at this time, please.
enjoyed this past week could you let our friends here today know what God's love taught us and what he taught us to be he taught us to what I want y'all to say it like y'all told me this week God loves teaches us to thank you they did. That's a lot of volume and a lot of passion for a small group, but can you imagine 135 children singing? That's how many were here this past week, and we're glad that you were here to help lead us in worship today. Let me ask you to take a seat, because part of the week was also blessed by the presence of our brothers and sisters from the Good News Church in Moscow, our sister church. 
And I want to invite Yevgeny, Andre, Anna, Olga, Luba, will you please come forward? I think they have something to share also because they were a very big part of this, uh, of this experience. So y'all sit tight and watch and listen. is a guest from our puppet show. He came to visit you. He would like to tell you something interesting. Dear kids, I'm so happy to see you all again. And we had very, very good time at our stores, at the puppet performances. Я кое-чему научился за это время. Я приехал из России, и здесь, в Америке, увидел, какой огромный мир для нас сделал Бог. Я увидел, как Он нас сильно любит, потому что Он подарил нам наших друзей, нашей семьи, большую-большую землю, много-много людей. И Он дал нам Библию, и Он помогает нам быть крепкими. Но я хочу, чтобы вы запомнили, что мы можем с вами быть крепкими, только если в ответ на Его любовь тоже будем Его любить. И я хотел бы, чтобы мы с вами выучили эту русскую фразу «Я люблю Бога». I love God. In Russian it says, Я люблю Бога. Can we say it all together? Я люблю Бога. Very good. Thank you. We learned some English too. Relationships deepen and grow over time when you pay attention to them and cultivate them. The relationship that we share with our sister church is, is one that uh, has blessed and continues to bless our church. And these, these five brothers and sisters in Christ have been an incredible blessing for Vacation Bible School. They are bright and smart They are industrious and persevering. They are talented. Some of them are funny. <laughs> and they are all full of joy.
We thank you for being part of our Vacation Bible School and for blessing us this week. We count it all joy to be bound up in Christ Jesus with you. Reverend Doughton has a presentation for you. Our, our theme, as it said earlier, was Kingdom Rocks. Used a lot of uh, medieval kingdom imagery, European medieval bit. And so it seemed appropriate to give for the Good News Church this time. This is a shield, like a knight of old would have carried. And it has the cross, and it says the full armor of God. Passage from Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. I'm not going to read it, but you can read it for yourselves. <coughs> Excuse me there. I mean, it just seemed very appropriate with this one uh, to give this to them. A reminder that we are all standing strong together for God and with God and um, taking on that full armor. So, there you go. <laughs> oh, smiling for the camera. It is also my joy on behalf of this congregation to present a gift to you. We have celebrated 15 years together, and we are now in our 16th year of relationship. And we want to, uh, to give this gift, a monetary gift to you, to celebrate 15 years. $15 we are giving you. Or we can add some zeros. And we want to, uh, for this gift to be a blessing and an encouragement to you in the vital ministry that you are doing in the name of Jesus Christ in Moscow and beyond. We know that there are capital improvements that you are doing to your building related to the roof and renovating your space. And we hope that this gift will move you for closer to your goal. And so on behalf of First Presbyterian Church and giving thanks to God, please receive this gift uh, uh, for your work. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome.
love commemorates puppet ministry that they brought to us is one that they use throughout Moscow and even in other parts of Russia, so uh, they're real professionals, and now they have their own calendar. <laughs> wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Wow. Great. Absolutely wonderful. We look forward to our visit next. Yes. Shall we pray, Joe? Loving God, thank you for the ways that you bind our lives together. Thank you for the ways that we are taught and led by your word and Holy Spirit to stand strong for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the ways our children have learned that this week and the ways that these, our friends, have helped impart that truth. All praise and glory to you, our loving Father. You are good and you are great. In your name we pray, amen. Children, you may go to Children's Church. Our first lesson today comes from Psalm 139, reading the first 12 verses and then the last two. Listen now to the word of God. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a, tongue is on my, a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, 
Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me becomes night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. Search me, O God, and know my heart, and test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Thank you, handbells. 
Once again, those who are able, please stand for the reading of our second lesson from the Gospel of Matthew in the 13th chapter, beginning with the 24th verse. Hear God's word. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. At the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then Jesus left the crowds and went to the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of, of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. For the past couple of weeks, I have mentioned turtles, and it seems like uh, this, uh, this thing has gone viral. I continue to hear stories that are shared with me. I receive texts, even voice messages. Pastor Hasty, I just rescued a turtle out of the road. Wanted to let you know. God's up to something. Maybe so. I'm proud to be uh, support, uh, sporting, I should say, uh, my Father's Day tie, complete with a turtle theme. This past week, I... I uh, I also want to report that on Wednesday evening, as we, so I was making my way to the McCoys to have uh, a beautiful dinner with our Russian guests and others in the church, I was able to rescue a turtle. A beautiful water turtle about this big, right out of the center of my lane. And then, if that wasn't enough, I got to rescue another turtle in just about the same stretch of road a few yards down a beautiful water turtle about this big I can't confirm it but I think I saved the same turtle twice in one week there's a sermon in there somewhere the other thing that I wanted to mention to you is um, the, the keychain, the carabiners that we have given out to our fathers, our fathers-to-be. Uh, 
on this Father's Day. Uh, in, in thinking of the carabiner, uh, let me quickly say this is a keychain. Do not use this in climbing or repelling. It was not designed for that purpose, but it is uh, just like a real carabiner. And a carabiner is a metal loop with a spring-loaded gate used to quickly and securely con connect components in a safety-critical system. This carabiner, this keychain for you fathers might be a reminder that you are that symbolic piece that connects your family in some ways, your children, your wife, to a safety critical system that is the faith that is ours in Jesus Christ. You, as a father, have been charged with being part of that system that connects your family and your wife to the church, the community of faith, to the Word of God, and to point your children to Jesus Christ. This little keychain, this carabiner, also has on it First Presbyterian, and that should remind us all that our church is part of that thing that God is doing in the world to connect God's people one to another, to connect us as brothers and sisters to the Word of God, the living Word, and to our salvation, which is in Jesus Christ alone. So keep this somewhere where you can see it, maybe even use it, but just don't go repelling with it. God bless you fathers today and who you are and what you do. Will you pray with me, please? Father God, we come to you as your children. And we are seeking your wisdom in your way, and we pray that you will impart your Holy Spirit now, your living presence among us, that you would quiet our minds, that you would prepare and open our hearts to receive the word that you would have us here today. And in this week to come, that we, by your grace, would live it out, all for your glory and for Christ's sake. We love you and it is our, our deepest desire to serve you and to please you. Amen. The Gospel of Matthew deals with real-life issues, probably more head-on than it could be argued than the other Gospels in the New Testament. The, the Gospel of Matthew addresses problems that are confronted by Christians every day, problems, challenges within the Christian community, and it deals with matters like anger, our sexual behavior, divorce, hypocrisy, taxes, church discipline, the power of possessions, and more. And such is the case with the parable that we look at this morning as we continue to follow the teachings of Jesus on the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. The parable of the weeds among the wheat and Jesus' interpretation of it. Who is the wheat? Who are the weeds? And what, about, what do we do about these two co-mingled together? 
For who of us hasn't dealt with that paradoxical character of community, congregation, where on the one hand we have committed members who have, who have a vision for the future, who are motivated, who are inspired about the church and what it ought to do and be in the world. And then on the other hand, right next to them, in the very same pew, side by side, we have those who are indifferent, who are unmotivated, who are stuck in a rut, who are more interested in maintaining the status quo and are driven by self-interest versus interest in the other. One group seeks to prevail over the other and the whole congregation is affected and each group is trying to get rid of the bad apples that want to spoil the whole bunch. This scenario reminds me of the story of the man who was who was stranded on an island in, out in the, the, the ocean. For years he was stranded there, and one day he spotted on the horizon a ship, and ships did not travel in this part of the ocean. And so he frantically built a fire to, to hopefully attract attention of the passing ship and to be saved, and sure enough, those on the ship noticed the fire and the smoke, and they dispatched a dinghy to come and investigate, and there they rescued the man. And one of those who had come to rescue the man from the island, he said, how in the world did you survive? He said, well, I learned how to catch fish, and so I was able to eat. I learned how to capture water so that I would have enough to stay hydrated. And I built me a shelter. I built my home. You can see it right up there on the ridge. And the man looked, and there were three dwellings there on the ridge. And he said, I see your home, but what, what else is it there? And the man said, well, that's my church. And the man said, well, I can see that there is something that looks like a, a church or a place of worship. What's the other one? He said, oh, that's the church I used to go to, but they're full of nothing but a bunch of hypocrites there. <laughs> the parable of the weeds among the wheat eloquently addresses this, this mixture of the good and the not so good in the church and in the world and maybe even addresses that which dwells within us. The parable follows right after the parable of, of the sower and the seeds and the soils, but now there is a new character that Jesus introduces. There is another sower that has appeared, not sowing good seed, but sowing bad seed. The other sower is identified as an enemy more than once in the parable. And whether we are looking at the world, at the church, or ourselves, we must recognize and acknowledge that there is the presence of a real enemy in the world and in our lives, and yes, even in the church. A, a devil, if you will, who opposes God and works counter to God's will in the world. And you know, the truth be told that we as Presbyterians don't spend a whole lot of time talking about a devil, Satan, an enemy, the evil one. But Jesus is clear, there is a real enemy. And there's a tactic that is used by that enemy that would want us to deny the reality of an evil force or presence. 
against us and against God. We would want to write that off as fanatical. That's, that's mumbo-jumbo. That's, you know, people dressed up in red suits with horns and long tail and a pitchfork. It's not reality. Or we may be seduced to the other side of the equation to become completely consumed with evil, as some are wont to do. To want to look under every rock, behind every door, under the bed, and to ferret out, identify evil. But as C.S. Lewis has pointed out in his brilliant work, Screwtape Letters, where the senior devil is writing letters of counsel and training to the devil, the younger junior devil in training, whatever it takes, whether you have that one obsessing about evil or denying its presence, you have worked effectively. Because both sides of the equation, wanting to dismiss and ignore evil or obsessing about it, distracts us from God. And that is what the enemy wants to do. But Jesus names an enemy very present and active in the world. And Jesus would not have us distracted from one working against God's purposes, one working against the sovereign God, distracting us from his goodness, his power, and his grace. The bottom line is we must acknowledge and take evil seriously, but not too seriously. And this parable helps us strike a balance in that debate of the role of the enemy and the constant presence of evil in the world and in our lives. But rather than focusing on evil per se, this parable gives us two responses to the effects of the reality and the work of the evil one. First is the response of the workers. When they learn the presence of the evil in his activity, they are alarmed at the sight of the weeds among the wheat as the crop reaches maturity and begins to bear fruit. They are edgy. They are perplexed. Where did, the, where did they come from, these weeds? And in their questioning of the householder, of the master, they harbor doubts. Was the master really sowing good seed? Didn't you sow good seed, master? And doubts creep into their minds. And the presence of evil can cause us to doubt God. Is God good? Is God powerful? Can God be trusted? Is God able? Is God for us or against us? The second response is the response of the householder, the, the master, the sower of the good seed, identified by Jesus as the, as the son of man. And the response we see here is that the master doesn't seem surprised that there is an enemy. He's not agitated by it, but patient with the scenario. He is not indifferent and he deeply cares about the situation and he knows what to do and when to do it because prematurely removing the weeds from among the wheat would damage the good crop, would diminish the harvest 
and the householder is intent on protecting the crop. His job is to turn over to the reapers, those who will execute the task of bringing in the harvest. But when the workers, the servants, find out what has been done, that there is a presence of weeds among the good seed, the wheat, their response is to want to take matters into their own hands. Their nervousness makes them want to weed out the recalcitrant weeds, the recalcitrant members, to weed out the heretics, the people who don't look or believe like we do. Do something, Master. The Master is patient. Not inactive, but patient. Well, you're being soft on sin, Master. No, sin is very real and it must be taken seriously as well because God takes sin seriously. Sins are those things in our lives that are many times clearly identifiable. Any of us who has grown a garden or who has a garden this summer, we know the difference between a tomato plant and Johnson grass. And we should pluck out that offending Johnson grass or that dandelion weed. Easily identifiable. And by the same token, in our own lives, missing the mark, sinning against God's will, is identifiable to us in our own lives and particularly when we see it in others. Yes, we must identify and deal with those things that that sometimes cause us to live less than the full and free lives that God intends for us. And sometimes we need to help our brothers and sisters recognize those things in their lives that are robbing them as well. And Matthew is a gospel that helps us understand that process of church discipline. It is a series of steps, and it takes into account the long view and has something to teach us as well. But the point here is that Scripture constantly admonishes us to examine ourselves. And yes, to speak the truth in love to a brother and sister, to admonish, to correct, to encourage in love. But did we hear the words of the psalmist in the first lesson that we read this morning? For Psalm 139 that speaks of the ubiquitous omniscience of God, the psalmist closes this way, overwhelmed by this sovereign God by saying, Search me, me, know me, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. We are called upon to help each other in relationship, but to also cry out to God, to ask God to reveal to us those things in our own lives that need weeding out. What are our idols? What does our pride look like? Are we envious? Are we greedy? Are we actually robbing and stealing for, from others 
Are we robbing God? Are we gluttonous and seek solace in food and things to fill us to numbness? Are we engaging in immoral sexual behavior, adultery, lusting? Are we gossiping and slandering? Are we murdering others even with our words? Are we addicted to things that come between us and God? These are things that we can clearly identify in our lives and are weeds of sorts. And they must be rooted out. And we should examine ourselves as we help to admonish, correct, and encourage others in love. I think it's something about get the log out of your own eye before you start picking at splinters in your neighbor's. In this parable, I believe that more than just sins in our lives, God is talking to us about the value of his children. I believe that this parable is saying to us that we are God's children. We are those called to live in the kingdom of our Father. And I believe the hope and the good news for us in this parable is this. For us, for God's children... For you, it is not over until it's over. It's not over until the last out. It's not over until the final bell. It's not over until the soprano sings. But too quickly, we want to write people off, to shun, exclude, condemn our brothers and sisters because of the way they look, because of the way they dress, because of the way they talk, because of the way they think, because of the way they vote, because of the color of their skin, because of their family of origin, and being born on the wrong side of the tracks, so to speak. You know, though it's understandable that those servants of the householder, of the master of the field, would want to weed out those offending plants. But the most surprising piece of this parable is what the householder, the master, says. Leave the weeds alone. Let's let this crop grow up together. And we can sort things out at the very end. There will be a separation at the harvest. I don't want to damage any of the good fruit. I believe that this parable is saying to us that the harvest is God's job. As Jesus explained, the ones who, who do the separating are God's angels. And anything premature will mess up the crop and diminish the harvest. You will know them by their fruits when they are fully mature you will know them. Only until the harvest do we separate one from the other. Only at the very end. And it's never too late. It's not over till it's over. What would have happened if Moses had been removed from God's plan when he had murdered the Philistine? 
What would have happened to David if he would have been written off after his adultery and murderous schemes? Moses, the leader of God's people. David, a man after God's own heart. Mary Magdalene, dead in her sin, her adulterous lifestyle. And Paul, persecuting and helping murder Christians. What if he had been dismissed too early? Or John Mark, because he abandoned an earlier mission trip. Thank God he was taken in by Barnabas and became the author of the gospel that is now Mark. It's not over until it's over. And what about that ultimate example of the thieves crucified, one on the right and one on the left of Jesus Christ himself? A life of poor choices, a life of guilt, a deserved death penalty. Yet even there, one was brought to full flower. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. My friend, it is not over until it's over. And God is not finished with you yet. Now, yes, there will be a harvest. And yes, the good fruits that we produce in our lives are important. It doesn't mean just live like hell and just hope for heaven at the end. It matters what we do. Don't get me wrong. But it's like the man who went to heaven after his death and met Peter at the pearly gates. And Peter said, what have you done in your life to deserve heaven? And the man said, well, I was faithful to my wife for 45 years. And Peter said, that's five points. And the man thought, okay. Anything else? Peter said, the man said, I taught Sunday school faithfully for 30 years. And Peter said, that's another five points. And the man said, well, let me ask you, how many points is this going to take to get in? Peter said, a hundred. The man said, well, I served on the board of philanthropic organizations, giving my time and my resources. Peter said, another five points. The man exasperated said, well, and if that's the case, it's only by the grace of God that I'm ever going to get into heaven. And Peter said, bingo, a hundred points. There's going to be a judgment. And it's God's job to judge. But we know this judge because we have seen him in the face of Jesus Christ. And the harvest is in his hands. And the end of time is in his hands. And all of time is in his hands. And we, you and I, are in his nail scarred hands. And there's no better place for us to be. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Loving God, thank you for the power and the truth of your word that convicts and transforms us. Lord, we confess that we have written others off prematurely. And some of us today have written ourselves off. We think there's no way you could use us or redeem us. But with you, there is hope and healing and transformation. And with you, it is not over until it's over. For you have claimed us by the blood of the cross and by the power of the resurrection. And it is our joy to serve you and give ourselves afresh to you today. Lord, lead us in your kingdom purposes so that we may be part of your will on earth and at the end that by your grace we may shine like lights in your kingdom by your grace in the kingdom of our Father.
Amen. Let us stand and say what it is we believe using the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for all the ways that you work in our lives. On this day, we are particularly thankful for fathers, for those who have gone before us and those who remain with us. We are grateful for fathers who, by their love, have taught us the meaning of your love, who, by putting others first, have taught us the meaning of membership in your family. Whether our fathers live this life or life eternal, they still speak to us, reminding us of truths we too seldom pursue, of values we too often compromise, of people we too rarely befriend, of a heritage we too casually abandon. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you might lend, lend to us the spirit in which you gather all people to yourself. Give us hearts stout with courage that we may not hide from those who suffer and who have caused others to suffer. Give us shoulders broad with strength that we may walk with those who are wounded and those who have wounded us. Give us spirits quite quiet with humility that we may call forth new life with the good news of the gospel. We pray these things and more in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'd like to welcome those of you who are worshiping with us this morning and invite those in the sanctuary to sign the friendship pads located at the end of the aisles and pass those along to those seated in your row. There are many announcements in, uh, in our bulletin and on our website, but while you're passing the, the friendship pads, I'll highlight just a few of them. Music camp begins tomorrow at 9.30 in the morning. There's information on our website about this in the bulletin. It's going to be a great time for rising kindergartners through rising seventh graders. There's going to be music skills, recreation, crafts, and lots of fun. It is not too late to sign up. You can come tomorrow at 9.30 and, and register then. So we encourage you to be a part of that. Also, our Ignite at 9 service is now the Ignite at Night service at 6 p.m. It's our casual worship service. We invite you to that as well. And finally, the room at the table continues today. We're meeting down here at the communion table following the service to go out for a casual lunch with others, and we invite you to that as well. Let us now continue to worship God with the presentation of our tithes and our offerings.
gracious God, today we remember our blessings and give thanks that we have these gifts to give. As we give thanks for what you give us, we pray that through our generosity, others may experience your healing presence, your sustaining power, your protection, your love, and your peace. Amen. God has quickly and securely connected us to a safety component system. Stay connected to Him. Because He is not finished with you yet. God is not finished with us. Go in the confidence and the power and the peace of the Holy Spirit working out God's will in this world and in our lives to the glory of His Son. Go in peace, love and serve the Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen.